Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Welcome out on board, everybody, to Must Read Alaska, the debate prep edition, coming to, to you from somewhere in Alaska. I'm Suzanne Downing, and my co-host, John Quick, is on the other mic. Scott Levesque, our producer, is on the soundboard. This is the place for conservatives to exchange ideas about Alaska politics and where we set the trends for what's going to be the talk of the town on the last frontier. This show is brought to you by, a little surprise for you gentlemen, Alaska Healing Hearts. This is a nonprofit doing amazing things for our veterans, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit today before we launch into the show. They are they, they are creating an island out on Lake Louise called Alaska Island for Hope and Healing. And what's interesting is that a team came up from a TV show called The Fixers, and they were doing a, a, a just an episode about building a camp for veterans up on Lake Louise. And it's going to air this Sunday as a sneak peek episode. It's October 4th, 6 p.m. Um, Eastern time. So what would that be, John? It'd be 2 p.m. our time in Alaska? Something and like that. And it's on BYU TV. That's Brigham Young University TV. And I, I think that's just online. I'm, I'm really not sure, but I went and checked it out. And they've got a lot of shows there, a ton of really inspirational shows. It's kind of a family TV network. Looks like a pretty neat place, um, BYU TV. And it's called The Fixers. And so they, they sent a team up to Alaska and they helped them create a camp for veterans on Lake Louise. And so I would just encourage everybody to go and visit the Alaska Healing Hearts at their Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash AHH49. And that is Alaska Healing Hearts. And thank you to them, Alaska Healing Hearts, for the work you're doing with veterans. It's a great cause and really appreciate you working with our vets. So it's been quite a week in the news. And today we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about Donald Trump and we're going to talk about the big rally we had on Saturday here in Anchorage. And we're going to talk about Sarah Palin, a couple recent sightings of her and maybe her challenge to Lisa Murkowski even. And then we'll talk about this candidate, Elise Galvin, and her terrible, no good, awful career move she's had in her second run at Don Young. So first, though, let's talk. John? We had a big rally up here on Saturday. It was uh, kind of a surprise. A lot of people didn't hear about it, but a lot of people did. There were hundreds of people there in the Cabela's parking lot. They took over the entire parking lot. And there were all these trucks and SUVs, and they all were decorated with American flags and Trump flags. And they all had crayon written all over them, you know, Trump 2020 and Make America Great Again, MAGA. And they had a DJ there. They were they were just dancing. A guy was on a skateboard doing, you know, some stuff with a flag, waving his flag around. It was just a huge party. It was so much fun. And then they took off about 4 p.m. and they caravaned all the way up to Big Lake. And up in Big Lake, they went to the Lions Club up there and they had um, a rally up in Big Lake as well. And, they were, and I went out to Wasilla because I had a speaking engagement. 
and I kind of got stuck in their caravan. So I decided, well, I'm going to get around the caravan. And I swear that caravan was over a mile long of cars and trucks with Trump flags all over them. It's really something. So you know, I think it's, I think it's great because in the midst of uh, we're in a day and age where uh, Trump is getting banned on Facebook. Trump is getting banned on Twitter. Anything you say conservative, you have a chance of getting censored. And so really how this rally was came to about was through uh, messages and text messages because you can't ban text messages. And so people, people rallied around an idea and just got with each other and texted their friends and hundreds of people showed up. And well, that, that was what was so interesting is that hundreds showed up and yet the media never showed up. They apparently didn't get word of it. But you're right. I saw the other day that Trump put something up on Twitter and Twitter decided to make a correction on it. They said, you know, we're going to correct this. We don't agree with the president. So we're going to tell you that there is no voter fraud. So Twitter is telling us that there's no voter fraud and the president is telling us that there is. I don't know who you believe. Yeah, I, I tend to believe Donald Trump and and. Uh, you know, I think it's it's we're just in a unique era where our the information that we're getting is being censored to one political bias. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, any of these social media programs that are big, we have some that are kind of coming behind the scenes, like Parler and whatnot, that are less banning of censoring your information. But they really do not like the conservative folks. And and what you saw at this rally was people being positive, people dancing, people doing things that were pro-American. And I think there is a big, big, big distinction between what you see at a Trump rally and what you see Joe Biden supporters doing all across America. The liberal left is leading uh, demonstrations that destroy America, that are literally curb stomping people, burning down businesses, minority owned businesses across America. These are all Joe Biden supporters. And they are doing it in the name of anti-fascism, when in fact they are the face of fascism. And you see this happening, and you see no Democrats saying that this is bad, that they shouldn't be doing this. They are silent on this. Meanwhile, Trump holds a rally, and you have a line of 3,000 people waiting to get into this thing because people want hope. They want inspiration. They want America to be America. And they are sick and tired of this other party destroying, literally destroying America. Well, I, I want to tell you a little uh, story about what happened to me last week. I was, I had to go down to, uh, to the Seattle area to visit my mom. And uh, when I came back to the airport, I, I caught a cab. I've been trying to take cabs lately because I want to just hear what cab drivers have to say about the world. They have a little different perspective than Uber drivers, I find. So I got in the cab and, and uh, the cab driver was Ethiopian. And he just said hello to me through his mask and we chatted a little bit. And after a while, he started talking about how great our country is, how wonderful our country is and how the young people of today don't seem to appreciate it. Here he is an immigrant with a you know thick accent and he's talking about how incredibly great our country is. So we, we started talking and, and, and after a while, he it was just like, oh yeah, I'm voting for Trump. Are you kidding? I'm not gonna vote for Biden and the people who are burning down or tearing down our country, making it a worse place. You know, Trump has hope. Trump has a plan. Trump wants to build us up. And I, I was very fascinated because here you have an Ethiopian immigrant completely positive toward our president. And he was really disappointed in some of the Americans that he's seen 
who are so negative about our country and what it represents, because he certainly isn't. Yeah, and you'll see the media will coverage. They want nothing to do in the state of Alaska with any Trump rally that is going to be positive. If they would have had three Trump, uh, anti-Trump people at the corner of Fifth Avenue, they would have had every news media outlet under the sun there. You know, Anderson Cooper would have been there live on location. But we get 300 Trump supporters. It never will make the news because it doesn't fit with their agenda. Same thing down in Homer. You had a huge rally in Homer. And uh, I I saw some of it on Facebook and I saw some of it. People sent pictures and nowhere. News media was nowhere to be found covering that rally. And I know that there are going to be some other rallies. Uh, There's a rally in Sterling coming up in October. And we'll give you some information about that later on. But one of the interesting things about this rally is that Sarah Palin showed up. So she was just sort of standing in the back and it, she's pretty noticeable when she, when she shows up. Now she's just in a t-shirt. It was a Trump t-shirt. She's wearing some, some camo pants and she just had her hair frumped up the way she does, but she uh, was the keynote speaker. So that was pretty exciting after the, all the music sort of died down and everybody gathered around and they had a big group photo. And then, then she spoke and she, she pulled, in all the veterans, she asked them all to come forward. And you would not believe how many veterans were at this rally. There were like dozens of veterans and they came forward and then they all sort of led the Pledge of Allegiance. And that was a pretty moving thing to see them all there pledging allegiance. And then of course she she gave some very inspirational words about her support for the president, her support for the the right ideas for this country, not the wrong ideas. And uh, she was really quite a star during, you know, the last Trump campaign. She was she identified him early on as the president to be. And then this she, we all thought maybe she'd get a job with the Trump administration, but she didn't. And she's had some some tough personal issues going on. She and her husband, of course, broke up and she's sold her house in Arizona. She's back in Alaska. And but all of a sudden. Uh, she's starting to make some appearances, John. I, this wasn't the first time we saw her in one week, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if I'm in Lisa, Senator Lisa Murkowski's camp, I would be a little terrified at this point because uh, former Governor Sarah Palin is a fundraising machine. And, and you know, people, people have their negative uh, things with Sarah Palin. They think maybe she didn't govern right and she... Uh, tax oil companies and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that is underestimated about Governor Sarah Palin is that she can connect with the average Alaskan far better than any politician I've ever seen be able to do. And she can rally the troops. The average Alaskan gets excited wherever the heck Sarah Palin goes. And then on top of that, she has all the connections in D.C. to raise a gajillion dollars at the flick of a switch where she want to run for anything. And so I think, I hope that she considers a run because I think that, um, that the average Alaskan is looking for somebody to unseat Senator Murkowski. Well, that's interesting because remember, uh, just a few days before she showed up at the Trump rally, she did that Instagram post. And that was actually really a, kind of odd. That was so odd. She did a very strange uh, selfie Instagram video where she said, this is my house, Lisa. And she called Lisa out by name. This is my house. I love my house. I'm out here working on my house. And she's had her, her gloves and everything showing. And she was in her she was in her work gear. And she said, but I will give up my house 
for the good of our country and for the good of our great state of Alaska if you don't do the right thing. And you know what the right thing is to do, she said. Uh, you know what the right thing is to do is to support our, uh, our nominee to the Supreme Court. You know, we're tired of forgiving you, she was saying. We're tired, of, we've forgiven you enough times, we're tired of forgiving you. So you do the right thing and I'll stay at my house. It was, it was an interesting video. And if, if uh, listeners want to see it, they can go to our, where, where can they see it at? They can go to our YouTube channel and check it out. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely Sarah Palin being Sarah Palin. She's, she's funny. She's quirky. Uh, the uh, hardcore political folks that are conservative sometimes don't get her. But that's the beauty of Sarah Palin is she, she can't necessarily be put in a box by these, you know, 30-year veteran political folks. She's going to do whatever she wants to do. And she has the power of the people to back her to do that, in my opinion. Well, does she really, though? I mean, actually, is what is what does our poll say on Must Read Alaska? I mean, we've asked the question, is she running? Should she run? And and would she be? I think you put the poll up. What does it say? Yeah, so we put a poll up and, and you know, the average viewer on Must Read Alaska is, is, uh, is conservative. And so I think it's a good frame of reference to speak to who could potentially win in a Republican primary, Senator Lisa Murkowski or former Governor Palin. And it was literally 90-10. Sarah Palin, which Whoa. is which is big. I mean, that's like a huge telltale sign of the average conservative who is kind of plugged into politics that's following Must Read Alaska that votes is saying 90-10 Sarah Palin. Whoa, that is really interesting. But but actually, if ballot measure two passes and they get rid of the um, oh, they get rid of the closed primary. Right now in Alaska, we have a closed Republican primary. So you can vote in the Republican primary if you're not registered with another party. But if you're a Libertarian or if you're a Democrat or Alaska Independence Party, Constitution Party, you can't actually pull that ballot. You can't take that ballot. You can only vote the other open ballot. Now, ballot measure two wants to destroy the Republican Party's closed primary. They're trying to just take it away. And it's a voter initiative because they say, let everybody vote on one primary ballot, all candidates equal. And that basically destroys the Republican Party's ability to advance a candidate. So the question is, if everybody was on the same ballot and if Murkowski was running and Palin was running, and let's say a couple of other people running, probably a dozen people would run, would she be able to beat her in the primary? You know, I'm a, I'm a Sarah Palin fan, so you know, I'm a little biased here, but I think that, I think that uh, people that are thinking about this right now are underestimating the power of persuasion that Sarah Palin has. She's spoken in front of hundreds of thousands of people. She's, she's spoken to every single major media outlet. She's had New York Times bestsellers. She's been the vice presidential nominee. She's done a lot of things that the average political person in Alaska just hasn't done. And I think that whether it's ranked choice voting or whether it's the, what we have now, I think Sarah Palin's going to give Lisa Murkowski a run for her money. Maybe so. But remember, she also endorsed Bill Walker. And some of us are not going to forget that all that easily. And she also brought us ACEs, which is, was the, the worst oil tax regime that Alaska has ever had. And all the oil companies just sort of, they put everything into harvest mode because we were just gouging them so badly. And it took um, SB 21 to repair ACEs. And of course, we know Robin Brenner right now is trying to undo that with ballot measure one. He's trying to sort of return to gouging the oil companies. But 
But um, some of her policies were a little bit questionable there, but I, I don't know. She's still as popular as she once was, or do people think that she was got um, more flash, not as much substance? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that people are easy to forget, especially when it comes to somebody's popularity and pop culture. I mean, you look at celebrities across the board. I look, I look at Sarah Palin as kind of like a celebrity and people are very forgiving. I mean, Michael Jackson, you know, think about all the crazy bad things he did. And he's got millions and millions of fans all over the globe willing to show up to a concert and buy every single song he ever does. And, and Sarah Palin, you know, she had a couple bad policies. She did a couple things that conservatives would say probably weren't the best thing, but the average person who lives in Podunk, Alaska, like myself, uh, we don't really dial down to those nitty gritty, how did you really govern? Uh, when it comes down to she can rally the troops, I think those kinds of things kind of go to the wayside. If, but, she, can know, put a, if she can put a machine together to do it, and she yeah. certainly can't do it on her own. You need to have a big campaign machine. And of course, she could probably buy that because she, like you said, she is a fundraising fundraising um, animal. She can really raise money like nobody's business. Yeah. So you live in Podunk. I didn't know that. I thought you lived I in Nikiski. So you've been hiding out in Podunk, huh? Oh yeah, we're uh, we're back. You know, we just got internet here in Nikiski like two years ago. So we're we're pretty high tech. Yeah, pretty pretty high tech. Well, okay. So let's switch subjects for just a minute. Um, you know, tonight the Trump Biden debate, and we have something going on on Facebook that I hope everybody joins in on, and that's going to be the the Must Read Alaska Spin Room. And, and I believe that John is going to run a meme war. Do you want to sort of explain to the listeners what a meme war is? Yep. So we're doing the no, we're doing the spin room slash meme war. It's going to start right when the debate starts and we're going to open a feed up on our Facebook. And we're really, we want to do something a little different uh, during the primary. We did a, a live feed and we'll do something similar like that during the general, but we want to do something for the debates because uh, even my friends that are democratic, uh, that are Democrats are saying Joe Biden's going to get his butt kicked. I mean, the guy can't form a sentence without stumbling over and having to have a news anchor feed him what he's supposed to say. Two days ago, he said 200 million people are going to die before he ends a sentence. And and so it's. I think Trump is going to literally destroy Joe Biden during this debate and talk circles around him. And I know it's a little different format. Each person gets 15 minutes, you know, per topic or something like that. But it's not even going to be it's, it's going to be a complete annihilation. And so what we're going to do is we're going to open up our feed and we're going to have uh, open debate, open dialogue discussion on the actual debates while they're happening. But we're also going to include a meme war. So if you are a memer or if you have friends that are into memeing, please chime in tonight. Uh, we're going to open the feed around five o'clock and go crazy with it. I mean, we've done a couple meme wars already on Must Read Alaska's page, Facebook page, and literally thousands of memes have been posted each time we do it. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And they are funny. And so for those who don't know what memes are, they're just funny little pictures with words on them. And usually they're ironic or funny, or they're almost always in good taste, but sometimes they're in poor taste. So we kind of just, (laughs) (laughs) we'll monitor if it's in really bad taste, we'll hide it. But, um, but generally meme wars get a little, a little rangy there. So it's on Tuesday, September 29th. The, uh, the, the debates start at 5 p.m. Alaska time. The debate itself is 90 minutes long. It had, they have no commercial breaks, but there's going to be six 15-minute segments on different topics. 
And um, so Chris Wallace is the, from Fox News is the anchor. And so you can see it on Fox News and I'll be watching it at some friend's house. I'll be watching it on C-SPAN probably, but you'll, you can probably watch it wherever, you know, wherever fine debates are sold. And it's uh, the location of the actual debate is in Cleveland, Ohio at Case Western Reserve University. So I almost top- feel bad for Joe Biden, to be honest, because it's, it's not even going to be the playing field is not even going to be quasi even. It's going to just, it's going to be funny slash I'm going to kind of feel bad for the guy. So what if all this time for all of these months, Joe Biden's just been faking us out and he's really got all his wits about him. He's really, he's, he's all together up there, but he's just been setting his, the expectations so low and he's just going to come in and just slam him, slam Trump. What do you think? You think he's just going to come and bring it and it's going to surprise everybody because we're all expecting him to do so poorly? Probably not. Not unless they replace him with like a stunt double like they've done with his son. You know, yeah. it, you know, it, they might do that. But, you know, he's got he, Joe Biden has been relentless with his forgetting of comments for the last, you know, four or five years. And, you know, I saw a clip a couple of days ago where he called the military stupid bastards. You know, did the, did the, did the mainstream media cover any of that? No, never. Because they never say a bad word about this guy. No. And that was in 2016, and that that just resurfaced. And I looked around the the web for corroboration of that to make sure that it really did happen. And all I could tell is it does look like he did say that in 2016 when he was speaking to the troops. And maybe he was just joking, and so maybe it's out of context a little bit. But at the same time, if Trump had said that, you know they would savage him for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so we will we'll be uh, on on Facebook at five p.m. We'll see you there. And in the meantime, let's switch over and talk about our congressional race because once again we have Elise Galvin, and she is trying to take out Don Young. Don Young has been there since forever and a day. And Elise Galvin, I, I ran a story about her this um, this last week. A couple stories actually. It was the, very bizarre. She she. She in 2016, Elise Galvin asked her Facebook friends to help her find a job. She said that she'd been staying at home and just volunteering for years and she was ready to get back in the workforce. And if anybody knew of a job where she could put her skills to, to work, she would appreciate it. She was a good organizer, she was a good strategic thinker. And so she put this Facebook post up, and then no more than one year later, apparently she didn't have a job because one year later she started running against Don Young, and that was for the 2018 election. And here she is again in 2020, running again against Donya. I don't think she can get a job. Then she put an ad up about all the jobs that she has had. And it's kind of a bizarre ad. You've got to go to mustreadalaska.com and look for the story on uh, how Elise Galvin asked her Facebook friends for help. And now she's ready to serve in Congress. She's never really held a job for very long. I mean, she's done a lot of good working class jobs and I don't begrudge anybody for working the slime line. I worked it. She's worked it a lot in the service industry and hotel industry. But her list of jobs is extraordinary. It is so long. And it doesn't appear that she's ever kept any of them for more than maybe a year, maybe less. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, I think she's trying to say her point could possibly be, could possibly be listen, I've held all these different kinds of jobs Don Young's only had one job his whole life, you know, and it really just doesn't work because Don Young has been voted on the most effective congressman in the history of the world, you know, and so Don Young has a track record 
of being an amazing congressman for the state of Alaska. And I think her spin of saying, listen, I've, you know, I've been a pizza delivery guy. I've babysat. I've, you know, uh, uh, been painted houses and I've done all these waitressing jobs. It, I don't think it really speaks to the middle of, of the folks she's trying to get because it doesn't really speak for the experience that you need to be Alaska's sole congressman or woman. You really need to have, uh, I think, your head and your mind uh, around what does it look like to represent all of Alaska from the you know BP multi-billion dollar business to the mom pop sandwich shop. Mm, and, yeah, yeah. And I, I just don't think her resume speaks to that. So I, I pulled a clip from the Anchorage Daily Times from, this was a long time ago, from October 24th, 1964. So this is way in the Wayback Machine. And this is when the Fort Yukon candidate for the State House of Representatives said he would resign his state teaching post if he wins the election to the legislature. So this was Don Young, he had, he had been a school teacher in Fort Yukon for five years, and he was only 31 years old at the time, and he was running for the state house. And he said if, if he won, he would, he would resign as a teacher. And there was, it was a question in the story whether or not he would have to resign. And I, he said, it's just the right thing to do. If I'm going to be in the legislature, I'm going to have to focus on that totally. Well, this is a guy who was a teacher for five years, but I, I cannot see that Elise Galvin has done anything for five years in the workplace. I mean, I admire that she's done lots and lots and lots of jobs, but he started out as a teacher, as a riverboat captain, as a surveyor, as a plumber. He did a lot of things to make his make uh, ends meet up there in Fort Yukon. And then he went to the legislature and from the legislature, he went on to Congress and he's kept his job. This is a guy who knows how to keep a job. Well, she could probably update her resume and, and put in there Antifa lover. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think that that's been adequately updated on her LinkedIn page yet. And so she might want to update that to be Antifa supporter, Antifa lover, something like that. Because, you know, all over her campaign, her communications director and folks in her campaign and herself, they empathize with the Antifa. And you have to realize that the moment that you emphasize or empathize, I can't speak, the moment that you empathize with an organization like Antifa, you are empathizing with a group of individuals who are against America, that are burning down minority-owned businesses, that are curb-stopping people and shooting police. And so I don't empathize with that. I think those people should be locked up, put in jail, and throw away the key. Um, And so that's the kinds of this is the kind of person that's running for Congress. She empathizes with people who are anti-American that are burning down businesses and that are curb stomping people and killing them in the streets. I don't think that's something we want here in Alaska. Okay. So but just remind listeners about the story about her communication director who happens to be her daughter, fully grown adult daughter who was pushing on Instagram, a whole list of places where people could give to these bailout projects. So you could bail out rioters from around the country. And she, she posted the list and there were names from you know, Orlando all the way up to Seattle and Portland were a, a bail projects where you could put money in and then they would bail out the rioters. Well, as it turns out on that bail list um, that she posted, a whole lot of them are associated with the bail project. And Tucker Carlson did a great story on this the other night 
the Bale Project has an, an outfit. They've got like a franchise sort of in Louisville, Kentucky. And the founder of the Louisville, Kentucky Bale Project rented a U-Haul truck there and brought in a whole bunch of like shields and face masks and um, signage that said, you know, that, that had Antifa symbols all over it and pre-staged it for rioters so that, you know, they're not only bailing out all of the rioters, but then when the rioters get back on the street, they pre-staged material for them, including water and um, vests and such. So that they're not, I didn't, nobody saw any weapons out of that truck, but here you have Elise Galvin's daughter, who's her communication director, pushing the bail project and the bail project is doing pre-staging for the rioters. I'm sorry you cannot disassociate from that. No, and these are, you know, they like to pitch it as, oh, these are homegrown protests. And, you know, it's people in the community. It's literally people being bussed in by Soros money. And then U-Hauls being drove in with uh, full of signs that are pre-made and people are grabbing them and riot shields and batons and the whole nine yards. This is not a homegrown protest. This is an organized, military effort. Right, right. It sort of is a, a paramilitary effort, that is for sure. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens between now and the election, whether or not this heats up. I know over the weekend in Portland, they had riots. They had uh, rioters trying to burn down police stations again. The same thing happening in Seattle. The police chief resigned down there. And then the interim police chief says, we cannot get to calls to help people because we are so busy trying to manage rioters and keep them from burning our own buildings down. They are absolutely under siege. Well, let's so, talk. Uh, about I would, I would just, what I would say to uh, uh, Congressman Young's uh, opponent is disavow Antifa. Put, put the, put the argument to bed, say that Antifa is wrong. Everything Antifa stands for is, is not correct. That you do not associate yourself with anything Antifa is and that you wish the organization doesn't exist. And she will never do that because no, these are no. the types of organizations and movements that this side now needs to feel like they could gain any traction in America. So before we go, let's let's uh, I want to hear about what's going on on the Kenai. I know that you've got a race between Sarah Vance, Representative Sarah Vance, and you've got Kelly Cooper. She's challenged her and Kelly is just uh, one of these fake, uh, fake nonpartisans that keep trying to pretend that, you know, that um, they're, they're conservative for the conservative Kenai. Tell me what's going on there. I know we're going to have a, uh, a debate down there on October 7th, but what's that, what's shaping up with that race? So Sarah Vance is, is great. She's, she's been able to unseat Seton. So two years ago, she went up against uh, Representative Seton, who had been there for 16 years. You know, everybody tried to unseat Seton, and it never was possible. Well, Sarah came along and did it. And not only just, you know, unseated him by a couple points, she won like something like 60 to 40. And so she knocked off an incumbent, 16-year incumbent, and now she faces Kelly Cooper. And Kelly Cooper and Seton are BFFs. They come from the same line of politics, they have to pretend to be conservative to get the vote. Um, Kelly Cooper uh, is funded by the Democrats. And not only is she funded by the Democrats, she bought into what's called the Democratic Shared Service. So the Democrats have a service called the Shared Service. If you buy into the service for 2,500 bucks, 
which Kelly Cooper's campaign did do. It's on the APOC report. No Republican or no Libertarian would ever buy into the Demo Democratic Party shared service. Only Democrats do. If you buy into the shared service, you get access to their databases and their donors and, you know, uh, a whole list of slew of things that the Democratic Party will help your campaign out for. This is Kelly Cooper's campaign. It is the Democratic campaign. And we've seen this right now in Alaska. Al Gross, all these other folks pretend to be independents when all they are is the liberal left. And, and my biggest thing is just run as a Democrat because you are doing yourself a disservice by trying to label something, put a label on yourself when we know you're not that. And we're, you know, we kind of got the wool pulled over our eyes with, with uh, what Bill Walker did with Malat, and we're just kind of sick and tired of that. We don't want to deal with that kind of stuff anymore. So we have people that'll sniff out APOC reports and find out you're being funded by the Democratic Party. Not only are you funded by it, you are paying the Democratic Party to do work on your behalf. Right, right. And uh, with Cooper, I know that her funding is coming from all the major Democrats on the on the whole peninsula there. And I mean, she's very savvy. She's a she's an assembly person, but she uh, she's been supported by, uh, you know, she's she's been supported by the Navars and, and uh, Paul Seaton gave her maxed out, gave her money. And so hopefully uh, she bypassed the she bypassed the primary altogether, didn't she? She just went straight to the to the general. Yeah, she just went to straight to the general. So, you know, I think it's going to be a close race because Kelly Cooper does run a good campaign, but so does Sarah Vance. Don't underestimate the fact that Sarah Vance unseated Seaton. That's a huge deal. And Sarah Vance uh, knows what she's doing, even though Kelly Cooper may come on a little stronger than Sarah does. It doesn't mean that Sarah's outsmarted. Um, Kelly Cooper if, you, if anybody's paid attention to the last assembly meetings on the Kenai Peninsula Borough, you will see an onslaught of mismanaged meetings that are happening at the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Um, the last four or five have just been a circus, and that is led by Kelly Cooper at the assembly. Very good. Well, listen, um, we're, we always have to keep an eye on the Kenai because it's an important part of the state, and there are as many people on the Kenai Peninsula as there are in in Fairbanks, you're a big part of the state, and I always appreciate hearing the news from it. But that's about it for today's show, John. Big thank you to you for all the work you do at Must Read Alaska, and for, to you, Scott, as well, for producing this show and being a big part of our team. If you are a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. We could not do this without you. And we're standing up for what's right in Alaska. If you want to support the conservative side of the news, hit that donate button on the right side of mustreadalaska.com because your support allows this project to stay strong and independent against the big tide of the media's liberal spin. Until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. Take it away, Scott.